Thank you for all the singing. As I said this morning, singing prepares you for the preaching. Amen. Amen. I am really happy tonight because this doesn't happen too often. Um, I think we have more here tonight than we had here this morning. Usually you have more on Sunday morning than you do on Sunday night. And um, so my heart is just happy, 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 happy. Amen. And, um, and because usually with this crazy world as it is, you know, you preach like I did this morning on the things that I mentioned this morning. You, you, you don't look for a big crowd after that kind of sermon. And I said, Lord, thank you that these folks are real, real for you. Amen. And he came back tonight for some more. And so let me call your attention uh, to the book of, of Psalms. We'll read a little from there. Then we'll read from um, Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. And then we'll read from 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, And then we'll get into our questions. I was reading more than just the questions this afternoon. And um, wow, he was meeting, he was meeting with some people to pray for revival in his study. And um, he met with some people and, and each night he tells about what took place. I'm not sure if I'm going to share that with you tonight, but I might just share the questions and maybe some more about it tomorrow night. But I am so excited about this revival. It started, it actually started in 1917, the year my dad was born into this crazy old world. And um, that's been over a hundred years ago that this revival started in a preacher's study. And he met with some people wanting revival. And, and he talked about, about that, that time of prayer with those people gathering, agreeing to have revival in Canada and around the world. So let, let us read these texts to you tonight and you follow along with me. In Psalm 66, 18, the Bible says, If I... When I read a text like this, I always put my name in there. Yeah. If Benny Beckham, if Benny Beckham regards iniquity in his heart, the Lord will not hear me. Wow. And then in Isaiah, he talks about the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. And Isaiah made it very plain whose problem it was. It was not God's problem that they were not having revival. It was their iniquities. It was their problems. Amen? Amen. And, and, and Isaiah made it very clear. It's not God's fault. It's your fault. It's not God's fault, Benny Beckham. It's your fault. 
If you're not doing what God is telling you to do on a daily basis as one of his children, it's your fault. You have no reason to complain. And we don't either, do we? And then in Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, we read these words. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time. I like that. It stands out at me. It just jumps off out of the word of God. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. It's time. It's time to quit playing. It's time to quit complaining. It's time to quit fussing. It's time to quit gossiping about one another. Amen. It's just time to do what, Brother Beckham? It's time to do right. We claim to be Christians. We claim to be in the family of God. So I would you agree with me? It's time. It's just time to, yeah, I mean, it's time to just say, I'm sorry. Whether, you, whether it's your fault or not, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. That will bring revival, folks, I'm telling you. So as I, as I think about Second Chronicles, if you'll turn there with me, I'm just taking my time tonight, okay? Second Chronicles 7.14, we have the promise of blessing here to God's people. And by the way, I hear folks say, well, that's in the Old Testament. That doesn't apply to the Christians of today. Well, aren't you a child of God? Everything that it talks about in that verse, it talks about in the New Testament. Amen? Amen. And so I, I believe every bit of it applies to us today. Amen. If my people, which are called by my name, we are Christians because we follow Christ. Amen. And then it says, declare the Lord shall humble. All through the New Testament, you'll find verses talking about humility. And then it talks about praying in the New Testament. And then it talks about seeking my face or fasting in the New Testament, something that we are foreign to. And then he said, if you'll do all of those things, I win and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Uh, that's what we need in our churches, amen? We need a healing. We need for people to stand up and love God enough to say, I made a mistake and I'm wrong. Amen? Amen. That's what Dr. Smith was dealing here with over a hundred years ago. We have always had this problem, and we still have it today. And tonight, as we go through these questions again, would you just be honest with yourself and say, well, that's, that's, that's the one I need to, uh, need to handle tonight. Yep, that's the one I need to take care of tonight. And if you'll do that... 
and I'm trying to have eye contact with everybody. Amen, everybody, because we need we need to do some business with God. Okay, and uh, and I'm glad Pastor asked me to come. I'm glad I'm a part of this service. But but we need we need to uh, make up our mind. Are we going to do this tonight, or are you going to just sit there and do nothing? We need, to, we need to do that because if you're going to do nothing, I need to just go on to the house. Amen? But if you're going to listen and be honest with God and, is, and honest with yourself and because your, your spouse knows whether you're going to be honest or not and, and they know you're being honest or not. Your children knows you're going to be honest or not. So you don't want to hurt them, do you? So... But the main one we don't want to hurt is God. Amen. So uh, we started this morning with, with this question, have we forgiven everybody? Is there any malice in our heart? Is there any spite, hatred, enmity in our hearts? Do we cherish grudges? Have we refused to be reconciled? When you see that person that you're holding these grudges for walk in, do you walk around the auditorium to keep from walking by them at that appointed time? Uh, or you see them on the street, or you see them on the job, or you see them in school, or whatever it might be in your situation. Uh, uh, do, you, do, you, do you stop and say, hey, you know about yesterday, I'm sorry about that. And then you're a candidate for revival. Then you're a candidate for revival. And let me tell you, everybody knows you might as well be honest. I tell churches this all over, all around the world. I tell them the same thing every time I stand, every time God leads me to deal with this message. And it's not always, but when I do, oh my. If the people will just be honest. God does his work. Amen. Amen. But if we are not honest, he's not going to do nothing. He's going to just look at us. And he's going to say, you know to do right, and you do with it not. It's sin unto you. And as long as you're in sin, I cannot hear you. That's what he says over and over to us as God's children. But, but I read to you this morning, do we get angry? Are there any uprisings within us? Is it true that we still lose our temper? Does wrath hold us at times in its grip? Is there any feelings of jealousy? When, when another is preferred before us, does it make us envious and uncomfortable? Do we get jealous of them? Do we get impatient and irritated? Do little things vex, vex us or ignore us? Or are we sweet and calm and unruffled under all circumstances? Are we offended easily when people uh, fail to notice us and pass by without speaking? Does it hurt us if others are made much of and, and we are ne neglected? How, how do we feel about that? Is there any pride in our heart? Are we puffed up? Do we think a great deal of our own position and attainment? Uh, here we have, have we been dishonest in our business dealings? Have we been honest with the government? 
Have we been honest with God's people? Have we been gossiping about people? Do we slander the character of others? Are we tail barriers and busybodies? Do we criticize unlovingly, harshly, severely? Are we always finding fault and looking for the flaws in others? Do we rob God? Have we stolen time that belongs to him? Has our money been withheld? Are we guilty of the sin of unbelief? And in, and in spite of all he has done for us, do we still refuse to believe the promises of his word? Have we committed the sin of prayerlessness? Are we, are we intercessors? Do we pray? How much time are we spending on our knees? Have we crowded prayer out of our lives? Are we neglecting God's word? Do we study God's word? How much time do we spend in God's word? Are we students of the Bible? Do we just read the Bible to be reading it as another book? But do we read it as God's word? Are we burdened for the salvation of souls? Do we care if somebody dies and burns in hell for eternity? Have we failed to confess Christ openly? Are we ashamed of Jesus? Do we keep our mouths closed when we are surrounded by worldly people? Are we witnessing daily? Are are our lives filled with likeness? Is our conduct unseemingly? Uh, would it? Would the world, by our actions, know us on the other side? Is there? Would there be enough evidence if they came in tonight and arrested all of us and took us down to the jail, and we could see the judge in the morning? Would there be enough evidence to prove that you're a Christian? Would the lawyer have enough to prove? that you're a Christian? Or would the judge just throw it out? I have no proof that you believe in God. I have no proof that you love people. I have no proof. You say you're a Christian. I have no proof of that. Your lawyers don't have anything to give me. Think about that. And then, how about this one? Are we guilty of lustful thoughts? Do we allow our mind to harbor impure and unholy imaginations? And I said this morning in closing that the number one sin in Baptist churches right now and in Bible colleges and seminaries across this country, I get to preach in most every one of them. And let me tell you, the dean of men, the president of the college, the vice president of the college many times will share with Brother Beckham and they'll say, you know, we have to send kids home every day almost in this school because of the cell phone, because of the iPad, because of the computer, because of the television. Amen? We have to send them home, Brother Beckham, because all they have to do is mash a button or push a button, and there it is. No shame, seemingly. 
and we say there's no need for revival. There is a need for revival. And it's not just, it's not just the young men. I was preaching in a well-known church some years ago, a couple years ago. I was preaching somewhat what I'm preaching tonight, not the same message. But I got on pornography in our churches, in our schools. And you know, you know what happened? This beautiful young lady got out of her seat and started walking towards the pulpit. I noticed that she was not just any old, any young lady. She was the past was the youth pastor's wife. She walked down the aisle, said to the pastor, as she was talking to the pastor, I saw his face begin to crisp and, and get red and and white and and he looked at her and he said some words and and then he looked at me and then she was walking up to the platform and and she was admitting to her pastor as a youth pastor's wife that she was addicted to pornography. This is not something to laugh about. This is serious stuff. It will kill you dead. Amen. It will cause you to do things that you would never do. Ted Bundy, the serial killer that killed over 48 women that we know of, said it all started when, when he started looking at pornography as a law student in law school. You don't mess with sin and get by with it. It will kill you. It will kill you spiritually and it could kill you physically. Amen? And so when I think about all these things that I have read to you today, what are we going to do with them? Because I know God asked me, to, asked me to read these things to you and to read them to myself. What are we going to do with them? This is serious. We can't we can just fold the notebook. I could just rip it up. I could take the Bible and just throw it away. We could just padlock the doors. We could just, just forget God completely like Israel did. We could do that. We have done that in America. But, our, but do we really want to do that? We don't, do we? We want revival, don't we? We want to see revival take place in this city. We want to see revival take place in this church. I want to see every young person get revived. I want to see every adult get revived. I want to see even the children to get revived. Amen. We got the promise that he will hear us if we call. We gave an invitation this morning and not even half the church moved. That's what happened to Israel. Isaiah pleaded. Jeremiah pleaded. All these men, all these prophets pleaded with these nations to get right with God and all they wanted to do was complain and fuss and cuss and, and do nothing. But how about us? 
It's not about Israel tonight. Even though she, there's some bad things taking place over there. And by the way, he could come tonight. Amen. Amen. He's coming together. But, Brother Begum, Paul preached on the coming of Christ, and that was thousands of years ago. He hadn't came yet, and I, you know, now you old preachers preaching about it too, and you know, it, it could be hundreds and thousands more years. Well, let me tell you a little something. Israel was not a nation when, when Paul was preaching that the coming of Christ could come. But it's a nation now. There's nothing for Jesus to do before he can come. Well, that trumpet could blow and we are out of here. But folks, would you really want the trumpet to blow tonight? Guilty of some of this stuff? Oh, would you? I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't want to stand in front of God guilty of any of this stuff. That's the reason why, Brother Benny, I have to get up in the morning and I have to say, good morning, Father, the first thing. And then I have to, I have to crucify me. I have to put, the, put me to death. Mortification. I have to, I have to crucify, mortify, put to dead Benny Beckham every morning. Because if I don't, I'm going to be guilty of this stuff. Because I'm not perfect. I'm going to fall into it. But if I crucify, if you crucify yourselves, oh my, let me tell you, revival could come. I've seen it, but I've only seen little touches of it. Little touches. 70 saved, 100 saved, 105 saved, six weeks, nine weeks. All kind of all kind of things happening around the country. I hear I hear brother this brother talking about it, and this brother talking about it, and this sister talking about it. But it's just little touches, just little flames here and there. I don't want just a little flame. I want a full blown revival. But only, 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 only will it come. If everybody in this room will say, Father, I'm sorry. I've been a naughty person. I've been a hateful person. Father, I brought reproach upon you. I brought shame upon you. Oh, Father, forgive me. That's what we need to do. Amen. How many would agree Amen. that we need, if we're going to see revival in America, we're going to have to do that. But when I look in Jeremiah, Chapter 23 and verse 21. 
Is it me? This one? Okay. I've had mics to, to do things like that. I've had babies to pull the fire alarm during the preaching. In Canada, church running over a thousand at the time. People was coming to the altar that night. People was crying, getting right with God. There was a, there was a maybe a baby, not even a year old, was standing at the wall with her mother. And the little infant reached up on the wall. And about the time I was talking about what I was talking about a few minutes ago, Jesus coming, the alarm started blowing. Hmm, what an object lesson. People started running. They wasn't walking down the aisle. I can give you Dr. Sullivan's number. You can call him. You can ask him about that service. People was begging God. They were, they were trying to get out the door, and the doors was locked because of the alarm. I don't have to come up with object lessons. God comes up with them on his own. Just like that noise there. Mm. Listen to what it says here. Woe to the prophets that run, and I have not sent them. There's a lot of men out there today that are not of God. Those that are of God, we need to listen to them, don't we? I would like to read one paragraph to you. And I'm trying to overlook some of this. Just one little paragraph out of Dr. Smith's sermon. If you would, I would recommend that you go online and get this book. It's free and read it during this revival. It's not a big book and it's not hard to read. But read it. I, I have challenged people to read this book during the revival time. I've stand and I have stood at the door of the church the next night. I've seen people walk in. They said, Brother Beckham, I've been crying all day. I've had to leave my job because I couldn't even do my job. One man said I was cutting grass and I couldn't even cut grass. I got under so much conviction I had to go home and get with God. You know what? That's what I'm praying for, Brother Paulie. I'm not praying for some little revival. I'm praying that your people will get under so much conviction and that I will get under conviction too and that we'll all seek God and seek God for revival. Is that okay? Yeah. Given his whole life here, I guess it's okay. But church, is that okay? 
Yeah. He's talking about the revival of 1917 and 1918. He said, perhaps the most unprofitable way to tell the story will be simply, quote, from my diary, which was kept day by day at the time. Space forbid a full account. It is only possible to just select portions here and there. But I believe will be sufficient to stir up a spirit of revival and glorify God. He said, August the 16th, he said, it must come. The revival for which I prayed so long, how God melted me this morning, how sweet is prayer, praise his name, hold for, for the Holy Spirit conviction, for the Holy Spirit's fruit. Only that will stand the test of time and eternity. God has stirred my heart in an unusual way. How unspeakable precious he is. Oh, for conviction, old-fashioned conviction of sin. He talks about three books that he was reading at the time, and all three of them was old books, a hundred years old books, and the book. And guess what happened? Canada was revived. Amen. Guess what happened? They invited the leaders of this country to come to Canada because it wasn't happening here. And men like Dr. Jack Hiles, Dr. Bob Jones Sr., old men, the founders of fundamentalism, maybe John R. Rice, I don't know. But all these men went over there and Dr. Smith started sharing his heart. And then he went to August 25th. Then August the 26th. Then he went to August the 31st. September the 2nd. He said, I preach tonight. Why, do you, why you should be saved? August 7th. We told all the night and have taken nothing. Talking about the disciples. And then he put in his book that they followed Christ and the, and the words of Christ. And then September the 9th, he talked about again what took place in this great revival. September the 10th, glory be to God. There has been a move at last. It occurred in the, in the college prayer meeting tonight, the service at first was cold and the people unresponsive. I spoke on prevailing prayer, concluded and closed. But no sooner was the meeting over than a woman suddenly cried out, pray for me, a church member. 
and the rest was drowned in a cloud of tears, great and mighty sobs that took her away, took her whole body away. There was no, there was no let up, or could we speak? We sobbed and sobbed as though her heart would break. Down we went on our knees. We prayed for one after another. Then we sang just as I am. And I am in about 15 or 20 minutes. She came through gloriously saved. Blessed be the name of the Lord. A church member saved. I wonder how many others are in that same condition. September the 12th, God is surely working. Another young woman who had been convicted got up tonight and testified that she was saved yesterday at her work and received full assurance this morning. It is for this I have been burdened, the coming of the Holy Spirit and in such a mighty convicting power that souls would cry out for mercy without even an invitation. God has set his seal and honored his truth. Lord, keep me humble. Teach me thy will. It only means that I must spend more time, many more hours in prayer this week than last week. Meeting continued until nearly 10 o'clock and yet no visible sign. I must experience God's power no matter what, what it's costing me. Oh, that he would break me down, cause me to weep for the salvation of souls. Another break tonight, a black backslider came to Christ. September the 21st, received a letter this morning from one of in great distress and went to see her at once, found her weeping in anguish of spirit. After prayer, God wonderfully met her and it was good to see the glow of joy in her eyes with, when leaving. God is surely working with her. Praise his name more and more. I feel the need of prayer. Have just finished reading glimpses of life in soul winning. I do not believe that there is power enough on earth or in hell to prevent a revival if I'm willing to pay the price. September the 23rd, after service this morning, a lady came to me and said she wanted to become a Christian. We talked and prayed together. She left with a hope, but I want to wait and see do not know yet whether it is the Holy Spirit's fruit or not. September 24th, went today to the home of my friend, Dr. Hooper, the beloved doctor, and had a couple of hours with him in prayer. 
September 25th, three of us met this morning and prayed for four hours. September 26th, have been greatly impressed with Joel 2, 18, 28, and 29. There is the need, the methods, and then the results of great revival. But I can't do it by myself. My heart is cold. It's hard. I do, I do not weep and mourn over lost souls. May God melt and break me and then work mildly among my people. I found Jeremiah 5.14 also a great and precious promise and, and have prayed it all on my knees. I will make thy, my, my words I will make my words in my mouth fire and this people would and it shall devour them. God grant it that it may be so glorious break tonight. The prayer meeting seemed cold and dead. Very few prayed. I spoke and closed the meeting disappointed. And when a person and when a woman started to weep, she followed by another and later on a third was broken by God's power. All gathered around and prayed. The two sobbed and sobbed as though their hearts would break, praying and confessing by turns. Oh, it was glorious. God was working mightily. One of them who had stubbornly refused to pray in public the first night and who had sat throughout the meeting utterly unmoved now weeps so bitterly that she was unable to speak. Finally, all went home fully satisfied in the light of heaven on their faces. Amen. I saw that a fourth was under conviction. One other had been convicted and saved October the 4th. Spent this afternoon in prayer on my face before God. You think that might work? You think that might work in a sick America? You think that might work in your sick home? You think that might work with that selfishness heart? Unconfessed heart? That bitter heart? You think what I've read tonight would work? Church, you think it would work? When do you think it will work? It will work tonight. Talk to this little group right here for a minute. Listen, I don't, I've been coming here three years, I think now, four, three or four. Learned to love you the first time I came. 
Learn to love every one of you. Friendly. But let me, let me just ask you. Is there a possibility that there's something deep down that you need to get right? Because see, see, listen. I have a close friend. Went to the doctor. He looked healthy. Everything looked fine. But he was dying. Yeah, he was dying. And we anointed him with oil. He and Pastor Agin from Siler City, Brother Morrison from from um, Walker Town, Gospel Light. He's still with us. And I could tell you stories like that. But tonight, the tumor's back. And he had on the t-shirt that we, my ministry put out this morning, have you talked to the Father today? And he had the prettiest smile. I wish I could show it to you. But is there something? Because if there's something that is going to bar revival from happening, you don't want to hurt your church, do you? You don't want to hurt your family, do you? But most of all, you don't want to bring reproach upon God. Think about that. This little section right here. Got a lot of children mingled. We can learn a lot from children. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Seem like they they can fuss and fight and everything in the yard and still hug each other's neck and, and go on with life. It's us adults that can't do that. Amen. It's us adults. And then we whip our children for just getting a little upset. But they have good teachers. They have us. What we need to do, before we even go in tomorrow, let's get prepared tonight for revival that's going to take place tomorrow. Amen? Amen. We can experience that tonight. How about this little section right here? Just talking to you as a brother now. I'm not talking to you as an evangelist. I'm not talking to you as some preacher or the head of some ministry. I'm talking to you as your brother. I'm your brother in Christ. Amen? Let's get let's get let's get all this straightened out tonight. Let's just do it tonight. And that way we won't have to worry about it tomorrow. Amen. Because the older I get, more I forget. Amen? I know you don't have problems with that, but I do. 
I have to write things down, then I forget where I wrote it down. What a mess. How about this little section? How about this little section? Got something that you really need to get straightened out. If you do, I'm going to give you the invitation. And um, now here's, here's the thing. I've been interrupted twice by the devil with that thing right there. PA systems, I don't like you. PA systems and nurseries. Oh. But you know, God has put a calmness over the congregation to the point I think it's time to give the invitation. I can't, I can't make you come. I can't make you get right with God. But I'm going to say something but if you love God, you're going to do what He wants you to do. That's right. If you really love Him, you're going to obey His words. John 14, 20. I see the Bible in a lot of your laps. And that's good. I tell folks all the time, I have probably a hundred Bibles. That doesn't make me spiritual. I have this King James Bible and this King James Bible and this King James Bible. And then I have this living Bible. Don't shoot me. But I won a man to the Lord one time and he was reading that old living Bible. And he said, I won't need this anymore, preacher. I want you to take it and fight the devil with it. I've been given the Book of Mormons. I have been given the, the Jehovah Witness. So I have them in a certain place. But I have all these King James Bibles. But it doesn't mean I'm spiritual because I have a King James Bible. The Bible says, if you love me and keep my words, he is that loveth me. You cannot claim that you love God unless you keep his words. Amen. Amen.